We haven't had the privilege of meeting I'm Reverend Catherine, one of the pastors on staff. And today I get to continue our sermon series on blessed to be a blessing that comes out of the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5. We've been talking about how there's three parts to each of these blessings. There is the call or the acknowledgement that you will be blessed. So blessed are then the condition, those who mourn. And then the promise of what will be happening, the promise or the reward, the hope, for they will be comforted. And so that's what will be this morning. I invite you to stand as you are able, whether you're here in the room or you are watching on the screens in reverence for the gospel reading. I'll be starting in the first verse of Matthew chapter 5. It reads, Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up to the mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Dear brokenhearted, we will all mourn. We live in a hurting and broken world where there is sin and there is grief. There is death and divorce and there are disease. There are folks who don't ask you to be on their Basketball team, there are times when you don't get to go to the pool, your toys will break. And many of you all are thinking, this is not good news. And you're right. It is not good news. It is not exactly what we are hoping for. And yet I promise, if you give me just a few minutes, there is some good news to come. But before we get there, I want to ask you a question. Today, are you... Are you the brokenhearted, seeking God's comfort? Are you one who is mourning? Are you one who weeps? Are you a one who's worried and overwhelmed? Do you need God's comfort somewhere in your life? Or are you one who is very comfortable and comforted? You feel and know God's compassion and love and grace? And maybe it's obvious. You're like, I know which camp I'm in. I'm needing comfort. Or maybe you're going, you know what? I'm really comforted. Maybe it's obvious. Or maybe it's not. Maybe you're uncertain. But are you the broken hearted? Or are you one who knows God's comfort? Within life and within maybe even this very day, you will be both at the very same time. Depending on the situation or the relationship, there will be moments where you need to offer comfort. And there are going to be moments when you need to receive comfort. Both 
can be true at the same time. They're not mutually exclusive. However, our culture tries to avoid pain and suffering and death and dying. Less than about 100 years ago, people died primarily at home. Death wasn't something foreign and put aside. It was something pretty common. It was pretty normal. Most children would have seen a parent or a grandparent, a cousin, an aunt or uncle die at home. It wasn't something that was avoided. In the same way, if you watch commercials or you go into the average drugstore, you can see all kinds of products that will help keep you from getting older. Shockingly, we are all getting older, whether you like it or not. And as you know, the news will remind you of all that is hurting and broken in the world. And yet we will do all kinds of things to avoid it and ignore it. We try to escape suffering, and most of us will try to prevent our children and our grandchildren from suffering. And yet the older we get, the wiser we become, we recognize that it is not something that we can avoid. It is part of the human condition. It is not God's will and desire for you to suffer. That is not what God wants for you. But it is the reality of the world we live in. If you wonder how this all came about, where did this get started, go back and read the first six chapters of Genesis, and you'll sort of see how we got to this place of sin and suffering. Our suffering and our sin and our mourning is both individual and communal. Sometimes your lamenting and your disappointment is very public, and often it is very private. And over the last 16 years, I've gotten to know a lot of your stories. I've gotten to hear about your heartache and disappointment. I've gotten to witness your tears. There's been divorce, and there's been job loss. There have been broken relationships and fractured families. There's been cancer and infertility. There's been terminal diagnosis. There's been dented cars. And there's been heartache and relationships that are ended. And sometimes, sadly, it has been your fault. And at other times, life has happened to you. It was no fault of your own. There was nothing you could have done to prevent the heartache and the disappointment and the sorrow you encountered. Sometimes life just happens to us. And thankfully, we are made with the capacity to cry. Throughout scripture, we encounter people who weep and cry. One of the shortest scriptures, Jesus wept. And you and I, just like Jesus, are invited to cry. Ecclesiastes 3, 4 says, that there will be a time to weep and a time to laugh. For God uses tears to heal the brokenhearted. Well-meaning people may say, stop crying. And I say to you, there is a time to cry. Find the right time and places and people. Sometimes come up here to the church, use the prayer chapel, come to our offices, weep. Weep until you can't weep anymore. And then remind yourselves that you can be comforted. And sometimes you weep for yourself, and sometimes you weep for others, and then sometimes you weep because we live in a hurting and broken world. Throughout Scripture, people weeped for the sins of the world. Jesus weeped over Jerusalem. Peter and Isaiah grieved over other sins. And Jeremiah weeped over a nation. Back in May, I got to share about discipleship and how we're called to stop and look and follow 
follow the ways of old, follow the old commandments and now the new commandments to be disciples of the way. And there are times when we're really bad at it. And we fail to do what we know we're supposed to do. We kind of know how we're supposed to live and behave as followers of Jesus. And often we just don't do it. And as a result, there's consequences. And Jeremiah was teaching to people who knew what they were supposed to do. And they just didn't do it. And as a result, there was great consequence. There was great suffering. They got sent into exile in Babylon. And as a result, he writes another book, or others who are like-minded write a book called Lamentations. They lament in five poems about how horrible life is, how tragic it is, how sad their suffering is, how heartbroken they are. But one of the most well-known verses in those five poems of how tragic it is is Lamentations 3, 22 through 23, which proclaims, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. No matter how bad it got, no matter how tragic or hard or difficult the suffering was, Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, as he gets titled, knows of God's goodness and faithfulness and mercies. And in today's poetry, which we often hear in modern music, whether it's pop or rap or country or whatever you might listen to, it's a lot of people singing out about how the world is broken and hurting and how we need restoration and healing. And so if you're thinking, you know what, I didn't really come for a Debbie Downer sermon today. Well, that's okay. The good news is you will all suffer and you will all mourn and you will all weep, but you will also all be comforted. For while death may have its sting, there is always the promise of resurrection. Easter is always coming. There's always the promise of eternal life and hope. 2 Corinthians 1, 3, and 4 says, Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. All times, any place. Y'all, life is difficult and hard and challenging, but we are promised and gifted a comforter for all times and all types of troubles. And so I'm going to read it again. Let's try that again. 2 Corinthians 1, 3 and 4. Praise be to God, the Father, praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and God of all comfort, who comforts us all in our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. What kind of comfort have you received? God is a God of comfort who seeks to give you comfort. So there is comfort out there if you are seeking it looking for it, asking for it, wanting it, expecting it. How do you look for comfort? How do you savor peace? How do you seek new beginnings? How do you look for Easter each and every day? Is it in prayer? Is it in community? Is it in silence? Is it in scripture? Is it in worship like we're doing today? Is it in nature? 
Is it in therapy? Is it in medication or meditation? Is it in a nap? Is some of the best comfort you get when you can get a nap, right? Is it in exercise or good food? If you grew up in the South like I did, my grandmother and her friends were convinced that the best comfort came in a casserole. Because anytime something went wrong, you got a casserole, right? Is it in art or is it in exercise? Yes, all good gifts from God's moments, resources, access, comfort. And the Holy Spirit is the great comfort. And so when we are in the midst of the world's trouble, we have these glimpses, these resources, these accesses to claim and claim again God's comfort. I remind you of a piece of comfort that we often hear at funerals. Almost every funeral here, every celebration of life, you'll hear Psalm 23. So hear it for the first time or the next time. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leadeth me in the path of righteousness for his namesake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Green pastors, still waters, righteousness, God's guidance and presence, they comfort us, really, seriously. If you're having a bad day, get out of the city. Find a lake, find a field. Seek God's guidance, feel God's presence, for they will comfort us. And even when you don't feel it, go to the people who can help remind you what they know to be true. That surely, surely God's goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our lives. Whether we feel it or not. Psalm 30 says, For his anger endureth but a moment, and his favor is life. Weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. And for of you, I know well enough to know that life hasn't been even easy. You're in the midst of struggles. There's been cancer diagnoses, and there are relationships that are broken. You have prodigal children. You have life that has been difficult. And you're going, all right, I've done my dark weeping nights. When is my morning coming? I'm waiting and hoping for morning and it doesn't seem like the sun is rising. And I'll be honest, friends, I don't always understand God's timing. And if I did, I'd probably be really rich, right? Like if any of us really knew how God's timing worked, we could make all kinds of money. But I don't. I don't understand exactly what, a God, what God's timing is like. But I know God is faithful and trustworthy and true. And I know that morning is coming. And it might be a week or a month or a year or five years or it may be this side of heaven, or it may be the other side. But morning will come. Redemption will come. Hope will come. Joy will come. Comfort will come. New life will come. It always does. Because nothing, 
Nothing in life or death can separate us from the love of Jesus Christ. You hear it in Romans 8. It says, no, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, nor the present, nor the future, nor any powers, neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So it might be hard right now, and it might be hard in the future, but nothing can separate us from, us from the love of God. And so there is comfort. There is comfort to be experienced. And when you got it, friends, share it. And so how do you share it? Well, you share it at MAP, July 12th through 17th. You go into the city of Atlanta to share with those who have less than us. You remind them that in the midst of their economic disenfranchisement, in the midst of their poverty, that there is an abundance and that we love them and that God loves them and that we will help them. And so you connect with Nate Juvenal and our student ministries team. Oh, there's Nate there in the back. And you say, you know what? I want the world to know that there's good news, that in the midst of their suffering, that God loves them. And you, you join with pastoral care and you write prayer notes and you deliver meals and you deliver flowers and you join the altar guild or the flower guild or... You join our funeral guild. So when people are in the midst of their suffering during funerals, you say, I'll show up and I'll hand out bulletins and I'll help people sign, you know, the prayer book. Or maybe you find ways in the midst of your schools or in your neighborhoods or kids. You write cards and you hang out with friends. So when fish die and pets die, you tell your friends that they are loved and God loves them and you share your lovies and you share your ice cream and you invite folks to the pool when they're having a bad day. There is comfort out there, and when you have it, you share it. Mary Oliver wrote a poem, and it says, If you suddenly and unexpectedly feel joy, don't hesitate. Give in to it. There are plenty of lives and whole towns destroyed or about to be. We are not wise and not very often kind, and much can never be redeemed still. Life has some possibility left. Perhaps this is its way of fighting back. That sometimes something happens better than all the riches or power in the world. It could be anything, but very likely you'll notice it in the instant when love begins. Anyway, that's often the case. Anyway, wherever it is, don't be afraid of it. Joy is not made to be a crumb. Friends, Joy is not made to be a crumb. There is an abundance of goodness in the world, and it is meant to be shared and comfort. There's an abundance of it. There's an abundance of ice cream and hugs and notes to be written. There is an abundance of God's comfort to be given away. So if you have comfort to give, give it in Scripture and give it in silence. Show up to those who are mourning. Show up as Christ in the world. Give faith and hope and love. For these three always remain. God's gifts are not crumbs, yet they are abundance. So experience God's goodness. And so whether you are brokenhearted this day or whether you are comforted this day, seek comfort and give comfort. Let us pray. God of comfort, we give you thanks that while there may be sorrow 
and suffering and pain and hurt. You never leave us nor forsake us. We believe your scripture to be true, that blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Oh God, help us to experience your comfort in scripture and song and silence and community and by ourselves. Help us to experience you in nature and at home and with family and friends. And dear God, when we are comforted, help us to go into the world to share that comfort with others. Help us to get involved in the work here at Northside Church. Help us to get to know Reverend Angela House, who will be joining our Northside team, who will help us go into the world through missions and pastoral care. Dear God, we want to be a sign of your comfort in a hurting and broken world. We need you, and this world needs you. So help us not to think of comfort like breadcrumbs, but to know it is meant to be shared. For you are the bread of life, and for that we are grateful. May we feast on you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.